Welcome to Phone Talks. My name is Miralva Berghout, Curator of Talent Programs at Phone. And today I have the pleasure to introduce you to the brand new season of Phone Talks, Talent Edition. All talks welcome one artist from this year's Phone Talent Selection and one guest speaker with a shared interest or research field. Within every episode, we dive into the theme and approach from which the artist will speak about their projects, motivations, and dreams. In this first episode, we welcome Marvel Harris, a Dutch artist whose work revolves around his experiences as an autistic, genderqueer, transgender person. Within the episode, we're joined by Elaine Salam Klei, a model, publisher, and the author of the anthology Him and His, which explores the stigma of mental health and masculinity. I would like to welcome to Foam Talks today, Marvel Harris. Thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. It's a little bit odd to ask you this question in the sense that I kind of feel like I know how your last week has been because we've been spending some time together. <laughs> uh, last week was the Foam Talent exhibition opening in Foam and uh, a couple of events and uh, we got to spend some lovely time or at least I feel like it was lovely time. I enjoyed it uh, very much as well, yes. And how are you today? Where are you? How was your day so far? Uh, I'm currently in uh, Zutphen visiting my parents I'm based in Hilversum. My day has been quite quiet. I always start with a morning walk. So that's what I also did today. That sounds great. And other than that, what is currently going on for you? Where's your attention going? What is important to you now? Uh, well, I'm currently working on my uh, ongoing project, Inner Journey, uh, which follows my personal struggles with my um, gender identity, mental health, and autism, uh, and that's where I'm focusing on uh, most of the time. Uh, and besides that, I'm also focusing more on the relationship I, um, I have with my dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Project Inner Journey is one through which I got to know you and your work. Um, you're telling us that it's an ongoing project. Can you maybe describe a little bit on how you continuously work on it? My project Inner Journey only um, contain, uh, contains self-portraits. Uh, I'm a photographer who works with the medium of self-portraiture only, uh, or not, not really only anymore, but that was the start of my project and most of them are self-portraits. Well, that is the base of your project, and you started that part of the project in 2014. We got to know a big part of the images that you made for that. Some of it came together in your monograph that came was published by Mac, and some of it I also saw through the process of making the Foam Talent exhibition and working on your presentation. And since it's a project that you're still unfolding, how does that unfolding of the project look like to you? In which ways do you pick up the camera again? And when do you get, how do you get inspired to further uh, work on the project? Uh, when I have a feeling that's, most of the times a feeling that's very strong, I uh, grab my camera to uh, take photos. 
Um, so that's a moment that I could uh, start uh, working on my project Inner Journey again. Um, but also when I get to learn something new about myself, uh, for example, um, a lot of, uh, but that's what I'm seeing or realizing um, like these last couple of months that a lot of the things that I struggled with are related to uh, me being autistic. Um, so the more I learn about autism and because um, autism uh, is or looks different in uh, females than it does in males. And because I grew up um, in, um, right, I grew up with a lot of social pressure that I had to present as uh, a woman, uh, while I didn't feel like that, uh, but I also got to learn about the social cues we have to use and um, copied a lot of my behavior that I'm using from other people. Uh, so, and that was mostly at that time from females. Um, so the more I learn about that, I feel like I want to um, capture those feelings or um, what what it means to me in uh, self portraits and um, with my work, I then hope to um, maybe uh, inspire others or um, more sort of. Um, I find educate quite a big word, but I hope that people can like, uh, yeah, learn more about uh, those kind of things uh, that I went through and learned about um, and get like a, a broader perspective or uh, of autism, for example, and how it can look different in every in, yeah, individual. Yes, because um, the project with the project Inner Journey, you're actually sharing a very vulnerable part of yourself with the viewer. Um, and I've noticed that in that vulnerability, uh, many others follow. Um, can you maybe share a little bit about how people respond to seeing your work? It's funny that you mentioned that because, or I start laughing right away. Um, cause right now I have to think that this project or this body of work was, was never really intended to be a project. Um, it's, um, I started titling it, uh, in a journey when, uh, I shared, uh, my self portraits online and, um, uh, via social media, uh, Instagram. Um, people told me that they recognized uh, struggles they went through um, in my work. And the more I heard about that, the more people told me that they felt inspired or connected, uh, less lonely, um, understood. Uh, that was for me a reason to um, continue sharing my work online and how it started to become uh, this big project. Yes. Um, well, maybe just speaking for myself, I'm very happy that you did. Um, mm. And I feel like many others are, as, as you are also sharing. Um, but maybe you can also share a bit about the moment that you decided to pick up the camera. When were you first introduced to photography, for instance? 
Uh, in 2014, I bought my very first uh, camera. I um, worked at Praxis. I don't know how to explain such a store. Um, it's a hardware store? Yeah, that's the word I was searching for. And when I had enough money to buy a camera, I quit that job. <laughs> and um, almost right from the very beginning, um, I focused on self-portraiture. I think it has to do um, with the fact that at that time I struggled with an eating disorder and a depression a lot. Uh, but due to underweight, um, I couldn't... Or yeah, they told me that I couldn't dance anymore. And dancing for me was a way to also express um, feelings um, and feel connected to myself, my body. Um, but it felt like this was taken, being taken away from me. Um, so I think that's why I felt more drawn to taking self-portraits because I was really looking for another way to... Um, yeah, express those feelings and like get rid of some sort of tension, for example. So I think that is also why a lot of the work that I took um, at the start is quite dark or maybe more sad than um, at a different part of the project. Um, because that was really something I, I felt almost... Uh, I almost find it hard to say that, or I wish it was different, but I almost felt like every day was very dark. So, because um, sometimes I get this question, like, why are those images always very sad? That was just at that time, it, it was like that. Happy to say it's different right now. And that's, yeah, you see different kind of emotions, feelings. Um, but yeah, that's how I, how I started. In earlier conversations we had, we spoke a bit about how this project isn't necessarily a chronological project to you. Uh, a big part of the project also shows you in a very intimate time of your life where you were going through a gender transition. And I'm wondering um, how you view those images now. What What is the importance of of documenting that? Uh, well, what helped me um, during that process um, is when I documented myself and looked at the images, um, I could really see what uh, testosterone, which I was taking and I'm still taking, um, was doing to my uh, body and how it changed. And um, even the tiniest things, for example, uh, a different my face at the beginning was like very round and due to testosterone it got more yeah what kind of shape is that um angular well, i think so <laughs> and uh, seeing those changes really made me feel very happy so when i saw myself um in the images i took i looked at myself differently than if I would look at myself in a mirror. So I really needed it to be photographed. Um, and yeah, documenting all that was just such a, a process and something that helped me get closer uh, to myself and um, also see myself 
I think from some sort of distance uh, that was necessary to um, get a better understanding for myself, but also feel uh, yeah more love, I think, towards myself. Because um, when I look in the mirror, you or I don't know, I think this is for a lot of people, but you often focus or let's us try to stay close to myself. I often focused on um, all the things that were wrong or that I didn't like about my body. But when I looked at an image, I looked from this perspective if I would be a stranger. So I felt more love towards the person I was looking at then. So that's why it has also helped me with um, yeah, self-love. Yes, um, I can imagine. And is that also why at a certain point the chronological order of these images or that they were that you took them in originally, is that also the reason why it wasn't as important to you anymore when you took these images in your um, process? Yeah, true. Uh, because I feel right now that it's more about uh, my project, um, yeah, about experiencing different feelings and that as a person uh, you yeah you're always developing yourself and learning more about yourself and that that's something that's also beautiful I think um, and that's something that I want to show that it's okay to feel all the things you have to feel and even if it's intense or scary at that time or beautiful it, it's okay to feel I wish um, that yeah that a lot of people would think like that thank you so much uh, for sharing that and actually this kind of leads me to uh, introducing uh, our guest today uh, Elan who's here with us um, it's a pleasure to have you here first of all thank you for joining us um, and I was wondering if when you now hear Marvel's story, uh, which parts of it resonate with you? Um, yeah, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, it's nice to be here. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of parts that resonate with me. Um, me and Marvel have already spoken quite extensively um, on, our, on our overlaps. Um, but I think particularly how you how Marvel is using photography as um, a tool, as a tool of um, a creative outlet and in bettering mental health. Um, I think that's what my goal is with him and his and why I created the anthology. Um, I think also when um, language doesn't um, provide us the, you know, the, the form of expression that we need at that moment and photography can be really powerful and I think that's what we can see in Marvel's work. It's interesting to see how um, um, what Marvel said about um, the chronological aspect and the lack of that, um, because with um, him and his, that's also what I created with the anthology in it not having any order. There was no um, contents, for example. So it really is something that you can be any of those um, pieces or you can be any of those um what what Marvel is conveying in each image you can be that on any given day and that's what I take of life it's not a linear you know straightforward road it's very up and down it's got um 
it's bumps, but it's always towards, it's always going forwards. There's always a progression there. So, you know, our hiccups aren't necessarily going backwards. They're not necessarily downfalls. And I think that's what, that's what I took from Marvel's work anyway. And that's what really resonated with me. Great, thank you so much. Um, you already shortly introduced him and his. Um, can you, in short, like outline a little bit more about uh, that uh, anthology? The main focus is just to be present with our with our emotions, um, not necessarily to um, act in performative ways. There isn't any pressure to. I don't know. For me, I find that um, speaking can be a performative act. And with a lot of new mental health campaigns, there's a um, there's a pressure for people to speak. Um, and sometimes our, the way that we express ourselves is more through our, our creative mediums. So I kind of more looked at different people, how how they what their specific uh, medium was for their um, for their creative outlet. And um, so him and his is. Um, it's looking at how each individual uses a creative outlet to um, better their mental health. So this, is, this isn't something that they've commodified. It's not something that's necessarily their work. They can be, for example, a builder and their creative outlet is painting. So we worked in a various range of mediums. So we have essays, poetry, um, films, scripts, all sorts of things in, in the book. Um, and photography also played a huge part in that, um, the, the visual side of the book. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting to, to see how, yeah, to see Marvel's work. Yeah. Uh, and what landed you on the title, Him and His? Um, honestly, it came about very randomly. Um, my, um, my brother is also autistic. I have a twin brother and he's currently at the moment, um, section. So for not sure if it's the same terminology, but it's, um, when you're institutionalized, um, in mental health facilities. Um, and he's now been in and out for about 10 years and in some of his, um, more medicated states, if you could say that, um, he would, um, refer to himself as him instead of his name. Um, and that's when I kind of thought, um, him is very much for me, him denotes the physical being and his is having agency over yourself. So I think really what him and his is really trying to do is helping someone to find the tools that they already have within them. So yeah, that's it. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, because, uh, I feel like the way that you're approaching is, is it is so much wider than someone might think. It's not as gendered as one might think. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for uh, further um, sharing that. Um, we brought you on as a guest because we felt like there's an overlap between you and the work of Marvel or actually both of the work that you do. So, um, yeah, without further ado, I'd like to give you the opportunity to carry on the conversation amongst each other. That's perfect. Um, yeah, I think you covered a lot of, um, of things that I, I've already 
thought, and it was really interesting to hear you speak, Marvel. Um, what I really was interested in asking is, um, yeah, how how has it been for you to express yourself um, so openly to a public audience? Because um, I've seen with some of the contributors, um, they started off with their names and then they became anonymous when we published. Um, and even for myself, um, being a facilitator, if you could say that, um, there has been a lot of challenges on speaking about your mental health and doing, for example, even these kind of interviews. So I just wanted to ask, how has that been, especially because you're portraying such vulnerability in, in a pho pho photographic, photographic form? And, and do you ever feel um, too exposed? And like, how do you explore and manage these feelings? Uh, big question, but a good yeah. one. Uh, it's it's nice speaking uh, speaking to you. Um, well, honestly, I often struggle with um, being exposed as well, um, and it's not as to do that I'm scared of sharing my story or feel uncomfortable by that, um, but more that I find. Uh, some sort of, or I feel it's, it's not nobody's putting it on me, but I feel this kind of pressure that I have to say the right thing, do the right thing, because people told me that I'm a, an example to them. Um, so then I'm scared that if I say something that's not 100% true, that they will um, start thinking that that is 100% true. Um, well, I'm also still learning or maybe see things wrong or, um, for example, they are studying right now the relationship between uh, gender identity and autism. And um, so they want to know, like, what, why, why is that? Um, but I can only tell it from my perspective and, um, and share my thoughts about that. Um, but I don't know if that's similar to anyone's else struggles so um that's something that i find scary when i share something online um that's i hope that people will still remember that i'm also an individual thinking things and that i make mistakes and learn and yeah um but feeling or sharing my um but sharing my work online and with other people has mostly helped me um and i wanted to do this because I missed so many, um, yeah, imagery growing up uh, from people with same sort of experiencing experiences as I went through. I just hope that there's just even if it's a tiny bit, I can help someone. That's that's my uh, my biggest wish. Yeah. Um, no, completely. I think um, that's this, the same with him and his. I mean, if I had met you, if I had known about you sooner, I would have mm -hmm. really uh, <laughs> fought to have you in the book. Um, but the next Thank one, you. I'm sure, the next one. Um, yeah, again, I, th I think um, you've shared um, your own vulnerability and in turn encouraged others to share theirs. Um, what do you believe is the power of vulnerability? Just this is just a, another big question, but just for you personally, what, what does that, what's the power in that? 
Well, right now, the more I think about the world vulnerability and about sharing it, I don't know um, or know more in relationship to being courageous. Sometimes people see it as something that's that you have to have courage to be vulnerable or share about um, yeah, yourself. Is I think that we make it too big or so if you kind of um, get me that... Um, for me, it should be more like something normal or so-called normal, whatever that is. But just to um, openly talk about, yeah, the things you struggle with. Or um, there's also, if you're like very happy, happiness also is um, an emotion that people experience differently. And I think that even in happiness, there can be uh, when you share that with others, you can be vulnerable. So it's vulnerability is often connected to, um, yeah, like sharing the things that you struggle with sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think that can also be for, uh, feelings such as happiness or, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That's you, you put it brilliantly. Um, and, um, yeah. I also I wanted to ask um, whether in in the future what what kind of if you ever thought um, I don't know you would be imparting your knowledge like like this maybe in like an educational sense these are just my musings um, say workshops so for, with him and his we do a lot of workshops where we um, kind of teach younger kids of even teach it's like more imparting knowledge um and also learning from them um on on how to better our mental health but in the way you just described it like sharing our vulnerabilities and would that be ever something that you would be interested in in the future a lot of times i forget that if i work for more than two hours uh, a day that i will start feeling um more depressed and my autism coach, she helps me in realizing this fact and that I really have to take pauses more because um, even nice things or things that I enjoy is still a lot of um, yeah, stimuli and is a lot of information that I have to uh, process. Um, and my brain just needs more time for that. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's something I have to keep in mind that when I would give a talk somewhere um, that I have to recover from that sometimes even four or five days in a row. Um, so that's then quite a lot. So I don't work 48 hours or 24 hours a week, um, but I would like to give those workshops uh, and help where I can. Yeah. No, completely. I I understand that. I think we spoke um, already, I think maybe on Instagram about the importance of rest. Um, I think we shared a meme or something or an infographic. Yeah, true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I just, yeah, because I I relate with you. I had to slow down on a lot of workshops that I was um, facilitating because it it also, the the topics that you're dealing with also become very... um, overwhelming at times at least for me um so I just wanted to to know for you um rest is important as a act of resistance as well um and so I just wanted to know how do you rest and yeah just what what are the fun things that you do to rest 
Well, now I have to think about one of the first questions Miralfa asked um, today during our current conversation. Um, that when I'm, when do I grab my camera? Well, that I think now that that's also the moments that I feel that I have to ground uh, myself and um, take a step backwards. So f- taking photographs also slows me down. So that's also moments that I start taking self-portraits um, to be fully aware of my uh, surroundings um, and have a focus uh, and then a healthy focus. Because when I'm uh, overstimulated, I start to clean up the house, for example, more. And I get like very obsessed with everything I see. Or maybe there's one word in a sentence that draws my attention and I keep thinking about how you have to write it or I keep repeating words in my head or um, then that's some sort of cycle that I cannot get out. And my camera allows me to um, like sort out those things um, for me and help feel more balanced again. Uh, So... Yeah, taking photos, uh, but also going out for a walk. Uh, I love nature. Um, that's, yeah, I actually always start the day with a walk. Uh, so that also helps me. So it's more some, I think, active kind of rest that yeah. I'm looking for. I'm not good at laying on a couch and sleeping. I cannot sleep during the day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also bad at sleeping at night, but that's a side note. Uh, but uh, yeah, these active kind of rests help me. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I'm 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 very similar with especially with the sleeping habits. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, and I just wanted to ask. Um, I'm not sure how it is where where you guys are, but do you feel like institutions accommodate and understand you and the nuances of your lived experience sufficiently? So I I know it's probably changed over the years, um, but say yeah. How 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 is it is is the experience in in the sense of establishing I need to have a break or this is too overwhelming or this program is too much for me? Do you feel like you have the the tools there if you needed them? Uh, I think right now I don't have too many experiences, but um, I think that being open about the things that you find difficult or um, the things you need or um, the things you can give also to others that when you communicate, everybody needs, uh, different things. And, uh, for example, during the opening weekend of foam, I asked if there was uh, a room, um, where I could stay, um, to withdraw myself for a moment. Uh, uh, then I did lay on the couch, um, to try to get some sleep, um, couldn't sleep, but I meditated and that really helped me for that moment to, um, yeah, feel a little bit more at ease with myself again and to ground. Um, but at first I, or I think a couple of years ago, I would find it very difficult to ask such a question, but I learned that if, um, I asked for something that's for me, it felt very big, but maybe for foam, it was just like very small thing and easily to arrange. Um, but when I ask those things and if I'm doing better because of that, 
then uh, other people also enjoy my presence better. Like otherwise, maybe I would have been very moody, for example, because I was just like going on, going on, going on. So I think, yeah, art institutions, for example, um, to understand or um, try their very best to understand, uh, um, yeah, what you need maybe or, yeah. What has your experience been with uh, mental health institutions and education services and, and in regards to supporting you? I think right now that it has changed and that it has gotten better. But in the past, I often struggled with being understood. And I think that's also why I started to take my self-portraits uh, to therapy um, to explain what I couldn't describe in words. Um, and that has helped. But if I think about that, then I also ask myself this question, um, what do people who cannot find the words um, do in therapy to verbalize themselves or to, to feel understood? Because I think that's something very important. Um, I really needed to feel understood. Uh, I think that's some sort of basic feeling every person longs for. Um, maybe that's also something that you experienced while making uh, him and his, that um, you have different kinds of ways to communicate. But yeah, how do you do that? And what kind of, yeah, I always question myself, like, how do you find the right kind of help if you don't know what you're feeling or how to describe that? And for me, my camera was the tool uh, or is the tool um, yeah, where I feel the most confident uh, in expressing the things I'm going through. Um, but yeah, what if you don't have that? That's just something that's just I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's in, in part what, for example, when people see your work, what that encourages them, that might encourage them to pick up a camera or even just play, practice. It might not end up being their their medium of choice but say with him and his it was more um less of a like rigidity in in or an expectation that this is your defined practice this is this is the medium you need to be working in it's more about play and and exploring yourself within that um and I think yeah if there's more resources or programs available readily available especially for um I think the younger generation, so they kind of grow up with the, with this instilled in them. Um, I think, it, yeah, it, it will be much easier for people to understand the importance of, for example, art therapy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that or it would be good or that's something that I've missed um, if a therapist would explore the ways how you could communicate or express um, yourself through different mediums, um, that I would also pay attention uh, to that uh, instead of only almost forcing someone to talk about things. Like if talking gets too difficult, try different things yeah. instead of, yeah, just saying like, yeah, and I know um, it's like you can talk about it, just, just feel free and uh, that they're just like pressuring you. Um, yeah. that, that didn't help me, <laughs> I know that for sure. Yeah. So, um, with him and his, we, um, 
I think we had them monthly sessions and they were kind of creative exhibitions. So they were focused on different, um, different maybe identities within the book. So say we um, focused on a trans mask experience. We then focused on um, almost the very typical English lad culture um, with football hooliganism and how football can unite and also uh, enforce um, this heteronormative um, violence. Um, but w- the whole focus with all of these were, um, they were called here. So the, the emphasis being on just being present, there was no expectation to even participate. Your participation is even just entering the room. Um, and I think with, say, I'm not, at the moment I'm training to be a psychotherapist and what they, there's um, there's a theory called um, the here and now. And with the here and now, it's more focusing on what you feel at that present moment and not necessarily even looking too far into the future or too far back, um, because that can also be traumatic um, or and looking to the future can be too overwhelming. But focusing on the now, so maybe that's what you find with um, picking up your camera and, and the calming effect it has on you. Um, more just focusing on, on, on our bodily sensations and, and how we internally um our internal rhythms are regulating yeah i'm I'm nodding a lot because i just agree <laughs> with everything you say but uh, people cannot see that i'm uh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's uh no beautifully said i um yeah i uh agree with yeah all that um I had a question. Um, this is just maybe because maybe you have some fans who would like some advice. Um, maybe what advice would you give to photographers who are starting and um, and developing their autobiographic um, style? I think just grab your camera and try. <laughs> um, <laughs> If I'm thinking about the things that were challenging for me was mostly um, that I put a lot of limitations on myself so and a lot of self-doubt. And I had to get rid of a lot of that um, to start developing my practice more. Um, um, so if... Some photographer is also struggling with that. I would ad- advise or give the advice to also write a lot of self-tops just down and put it on paper and then try to yeah, put that paper aside. So like literally putting all the self-tops uh, aside and then just start exploring and um, yeah, don't limit yourself. There we go. <laughs> That's very good advice. Um, and finally, what do you hope for the future? So in your personal life, in your working life, in both? Well, that's why I was also nodding uh, just that <laughs> about looking into the future and that can yeah. be overwhelming. Um, I find it difficult to look ahead in the future um, and I'm trying to live just... Um, and not really day by day because you have to look like maybe yeah a couple of days ahead. But um, I'm I'm more just from going yeah following 
or, or what feels good. That's, that's something that I'm trying to, um, connect with that feeling very much. Like what feels good for me right now. Um, and maybe, uh, a month from now, two months from now, um, and start working toward that feeling. Um, and, and maybe it's tricky sometimes to let your feelings guide you, but I also think that's, uh, it can also be a good thing. You have to find the balance. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot of power in it, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's more that at the start of my project, I was mostly scared of the feelings I had, but I learned through the years that feelings come and go and that even if they are very intense and you do find them very scary and you think like this will stay like this forever uh, my camera showed me that that was not true and that it comes and goes and so I'm not I'm less afraid now <laughs> and I think that also helps with uh, developing my artistic practice and the things I want to do in my personal life uh, yeah with that beautiful thought, we end this episode of Foam Talks. I would like to extend a big thank you to our guests, Marvel Harris and Elan Salam Klai, for this amazing conversation. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Foam Talks. The work of Marvel Harris will be on show at Foam as a part of the talent exhibition until the 18th of January, 2023. The talent edition of Foam Talks was brought to you as a part of the Foam Talent Program. The Talent Program and the annual talent issue of Foam Magazine are both supported by the Deutsche Börse Photography Foundation. As always, keep an eye on our social media for the next episode. Hope to see you then. Bye!